Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindegaard making Forrest backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris, expanding by the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. Goal. Hello and welcome to the Glovers cast on the same day as a defeat to Torquay United. We are starting 2022, breaking rule two of the Glovers cast. Uh, here to break the rules with me is uh, Ben Barrett and David Copes. All right, gents, how are you? Happy New Year. And a very happy New Year to you as well. How are we doing? Are we okay? Yeah, all right. All right. What about you, Dave? You Okay. Yes, not too bad here, thank you. No glad tidings, unfortunately, to bring. But uh, yeah, it's a bit strange not to be sleeping on it, isn't it? But less than four hours, less than four hours after a defeat, and here we are. Yeah, I feel very uncomfortable. Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully, well, the listeners will have had um, a night to sleep on it at least, so hopefully they slept a bit more comfortably. Yeah, true. Yeah, it was a... a it was a strange afternoon. Um, the the football, I don't know it was. We played all right. Yeah. We did okay. It's quite an even game. The first half was very. It was lots of nearly moments. You know, the balls weren't quite right. Crosses weren't quite right. But we certainly looked. I thought we looked better than Torquay. We certainly gave you know gave as good as we got, and we probably had the better openings. Tom Knowles had a couple of good chances, although albeit from distance. Um, but you know, the second half, I think Torquay 
Gary must have put a rocket arm up them at some point because they came out a lot stronger. They seem to focus on our uh, our right hand side in for you know going down. I think they tried to get something out of Morgan Williams. Really, they mm-hmm. seem to to isolate him a little bit and try and get something. Um, yeah, it was a and the, as the game wore on, it it sort of ebbed and flowed that second half. It felt like we had a good couple of chances obviously we take the lead through a sensational goal from Jordan Barnett like he, he teed it up and I was like no <laughs> and then it flies into the, the toppest of top corners like one of those ones where the, the keeper's never going to get near it it was a sensational hit and the celebrations after were good fun I, a knee slide as you can imagine he sprints towards the Thatcher say quite a long way to run because he hit it from so far um very... Could he not turned around and run in front of the Torquay fans? Would that have been easier for him to do? I'm surprised yeah. he didn't do that. <laughs> that would have been good. That would have been very good. But no, he, he celebrated with his, uh, you know, his captive audience. Um, yeah, sensational goal. Sensational. Well, certainly up there as one of the best, you know, one of the best strikes from distance we've seen, I'd say. Uh, just struck so cleanly. Uh, straight into that top corner. Uh, then it all went a little bit wrong, really. The rain, <laughs> it felt like the more it rained, the worse we got. Um, Addy, had a, Addy Yusuf had a quiet game. It was one of those ones where it always, it feels like he's uh, he's trying hard, but nothing's landing for him. He's not getting any decent touches of the ball. And it was large, you know, largely ineffective. Uh, so, Quickly comes on and and quickly really changed the game for us when he when he came on we were winning headers which we weren't doing against their two centre backs or three centre backs I forget how they set up but he um he was winning quite a lot and had a couple of decent layoffs for Tom Knowles and we started playing and then it all just went to pot with um Dale Gorman lined up a free kick. I think I feel like Dale Gorman took confidence from Jordan Barnett's goal. <laughs> Anything he can do. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, you know, and Torquay set up a two-man wall. And I'm thinking, what's he doing? Or is he, why is he, is he really lining up? You know, he does the whole Ronaldo um, step up like he's going to, you know, this is straight for the top bins. And just straight into the wall. Torquay break. Force a great save from uh, our, our new keeper, Mr. Barnes. And uh, from the resulting corner, they score. And I think it was just a frustrating, such a frustrating equaliser. I mean, crap that they've scored, as the manager said as well, crap that they've scored direct from a corner because, you know, really that's the hardest place you, you should be able to score from, really, from an, a set piece um, going direct. And... Uh, we shouldn't have been in that situation. There was no need for it. There was no need for us to be having a free kick in an attacking position to having to defend a corner in like less than a minute. It was just, yeah. Where else have we had that this season? I'm struggling to remember where we criticised our bit of late game management. Where else was it? Answers on a postcard. I cannot remember for the life of me where it was, but it was somewhere else where a similar situation. We had an attacking free kick. And instead of keeping the ball, maintaining the ball, we let it go up the other end and they scored. Was it? I can think of last season. 
when Carl Dickinson took a free kick. There was that one, but there was one this season. I want to say, I'm looking through the uh, results now. Was it Boreham Wood away? 1-0 up early doors, Dale Gorman. Staunton made it 1-0 and then they scored fairly late on. Reese with a goal. Was it that one? Uh, I seem to remember that. No, that was... They, they equalised yeah. they, they when Grant Smith dropped it in. Yeah. Off the back of someone, and then they scored early in the second half because we were still queuing for a burger, Dave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they headed it in. Maybe I was thinking then of last season with that Carl Dickinson opportunity, but it just seems to be a bit, I don't know, frustrating. Do you think? Let's let's get on to the the, the missing captain in mm. Wilkinson. Um, but it is becoming blindingly obvious that we're a different team without him, aren't we? I think so, but also at the same time, you know, we had a, our, we had four changes in our five, you know, f- five at the back. Really, we had a brand new goalkeeper. Moss was out, so Morgan Williams, who's been playing left backs, move over, moved over to right back. Staunton's pulled back into defence to cover Wilco's absence, and then you've got Jack Robinson back for the first time in a while at left back. And then the result of that is you've then got a midfield three with Jordan Barnett in it so those three have got different relationships uh and then i mean you know the front three are you know the front three were happy with the front three really when you see them on the lineup it's not a massive change i think it's always when you've got changes at the back such as we did today it always was a bit of a worry um especially you know with wilco out that that is a big loss but i think the combination of not having dan moss um was up there as well because Moss, you know, Morgan Williams is very obviously a centre back, and I feel like the way we play sometimes we like to get it out on the right hand side to get Moss going forward, and Williams just isn't that. You know, he's not that. He's not a fullback, so he's not that type of fullback when he does play fullback. So we sort of lost a bit of a get out with um, Morgan Williams at fullback, in my view. And the manager spoke after the game, didn't he, and said that he felt like we were a little bit back to where we were last season with the back four chopping and changing quite so much. Because, say, with the exception of um, uh, you know the left back position, it's been pretty consistent all the way all the way through, isn't it? But so that that feels like it was the other uh, big problem. But then it didn't sound like from listening to it on the commentary that they caused us a huge amount of problems um, either in the first half or, you know, right up until they scored. I mean, the manager again at the end was saying about it was the last 15 minutes that really, really killed us. So, yeah, but, but then to howler, well, absolute crap. He described the, <laughs> the, the defending for the, um, uh, for the first goal. And then, um, yeah, they, no, no, the second goal he called absolute crap, and then the um, the first goal he he pointed out the errors of Gorman and uh, and Barnes as well, who he said was at fault for the uh, you know if you can see the goal direct from the corner, you probably do have to look at your goalkeeper a bit, don't you? But um, yeah, there was I think you know it's one of those where on a different day, a different you know this is no not a knock on the referee in any way, shape, or form, but a different referee might think, oh, there's lots of action around the keeper there I'm going to blow up here because mm. there were lots of bodies around in the six yard box and you know you know you can't you can jump properly to to stop that as such but 
you know, I don't think it is any fault of the referee. It's just sort of if you'd had a different one, you might have got you might have got something out of it. But that, yeah, that second goal, like at the time, you know, from where I'm sat watching it, it's a it's a great finish. It is a really good finish. Don't take anything away from the finish, but the video that's you've shared with us and that's been put on Twitter from a Torquay supporter, they just don't go to him. They just don't close no. him down. And and no. you know, and it might be because that the, the the way where he takes a shot, he's so far, he's like quite far wide of the goal. So it's got to be something special to go in. And I think they wondered if, I think, you know, perhaps Robinson and um, I think it was Hunt's nearby. Robinson and Hunt are perhaps expecting a, you know, pullback or a cross. But he, yeah, he gets in sort of, there was only one spot he could really aim for to get it in and he's found it. Found it, yeah. Should the keeper be doing better with that? I mean, it's a good finish. But... I'm not sure because I think, you know, it's quite similar to the one we conceded against Woking. Mm. Um, Campbell's. I think Campbell's was probably a little bit closer into the goal as well. They're, they're really, yeah, I think if you were to run them next to each other, other than being at different ends of the pitch, they'd probably look quite similar. Um, I don't know. It was a good finish. It was well hit. And it was difficult, difficult conditions as well. You know, at that time, the rain was absolutely teaming down um yeah i'm just i'm just i'm just i'm just really looked at that video and there's part of me uh, if people can see it we will try and retweet it and put it on our socials but robinson is dealing with the guy who lays the ball back drops back into his left back position and then as this strange loopy scooped yeah. ball yeah, through goes a... forward he just takes a step to his left and i wonder if he thinks he's going to try and play offside and then very quickly realises that Hunt has broken the line and gone backwards rather than gone forwards. And if I pause it half a second later, you suddenly see the ball coming down, Max Hunt running backwards and the other three a good yard in front of him. And I wonder if it's just a bit of new defensive shape miscommunication that actually if Hunt had stepped up, the offside flag would have gone up. But because Hunt's gone backwards, Robertson's made half a step forward and then realised, oh crap, I'm out of position. And I just wonder if there's a little bit of that, that Robinson's instinct was to try and go forward and look for an offside. The finish, it's a good finish. It's not an easy skill. Ball's dropping. He's got to take an under. He's got very little goal to aim at. And on another day, I mean, it clips the inside of the post. Yeah. It doesn't take an awful lot more to hit the post and go back out. And we do have people backing up. So should the keeper be doing better? He'll be disappointed. He'll be disappointed. He'll be more disappointed by getting beaten direct from a corner. Yeah, but he'll be he'll be a little bit disappointed because he doesn't need to get much of a finger on that to tip it wide or to tip it onto the other half of the post. Um, it's a lot of mini little tiny nuancey things. I feel like I should we should get um, Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher and the big white <laughs> and the big uh, you know interactive board out and start drawing lines on the screen to just from that one angle. Um, yeah, ninetieth minute or whatever it was, late on you've been under the caution. Yeah, there is. There's just a half a split second of hesitancy from the left back from from Robinson. And you can almost I almost am prepared to forgive that. Hasn't played for a while. Strange players to the right side of him. Strange goalkeeper behind him. I'm almost prepared to forgive him. If we're three nil up, we don't even talk about the goal. No, we, we don't even talk about that. You just kind of go, yeah, go finish that. Fair play. You know what I mean? So I'm not going to get angry about the fact that we conceded a goal with tiny little bits of, yeah, what ifs. 
I think we should be more angry about the fact that we haven't capitalised on those periods of play when we were on top. Because it sounded like, and again, I can only go um, off Sheridan and, and Lawson, but it sounded like we had moments, we had pressures, and we had spells of four or five corners in a row, and we haven't taken advantage. And I think that has to be the bigger frustration for me. Yeah, I think a lot of our pressure came from those corners, but there was nothing, again, you know, it's a classic case that we've been talking about all season, nothing clear cut, everything was half, you know, half chances. Our goal was, you know, <laughs> what's our goal going to be on an XG thing? Like, <laughs> it's not going to be very high, is it? Um, it's, yeah, the, the situations we created were all sort of, like I said, nearly moments. They weren't quite... Um, clear cut this wasn't you know add a use of sticking two away against Woking clean through on goal and with the, the full you know goal to aim at so again and, and I think the manager alluded to players like Wakefield and Noel was being tired mm-hmm. in his yeah, post, post-match and I think there's that um, there definitely was that element to us we seem to lose our width and I don't know if that was you know that was maybe down to so um we took off Williams. Uh, Barnett went to right back as we chased the game, and I think we lost. You know, we 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 didn't seem to get Charlie Wakefield with chalk on his boots late in the second half. Uh, Knowles was further inside. And you've got Reed and Quigley who are gonna you know try and stay central when they come on, um, and we sort of lost. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't feel like we did where we've played well is when we've got those wide players, you know, getting around fullbacks and getting crosses in. And we didn't, yeah, we weren't able to do that in the second half. And that might be down to how Torquay played and how, you know, they, they, they did control most of the second half. I felt they controlled it. We changed it up when Quigley came on. We sort of had a really good five, 10 minute spell, but, you know, once Torquay, got their first goal it sort of felt like the second wasn't far behind um it took a bit of time but then once they got that second they they've got the experience and the i know we're not allowed to talk about experience are we but they've got those players in 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 there that just saw the game out i was impressed with um asa hall uh he he sort of he, he did very well um Danny Wright, how does he still go? Thirty-seven. He's quite a young man still. You see, so still got a lot, a lot of time is out. But I, I'd, I'd be interested to hear from the uh, the Neville and Carragher, and the two of you can decide which one you want to be of um, of the South Somerset. What uh, you think of? Because Darren Sale speaking after the game said um, we are maybe going to another period where we have to change in terms of the tactics that he's playing. Do you think we're going to go? Uh, back to four four two with uh, Reed and Quigley. I know at the end of last season when we saw Reed and Quigley together, it didn't work. Do you think we can can do that to give the likes of Charlie Wakefield and um, uh, and, and Tom Knowles a, a rest? I mean, Tom Knowles probably had a bit of a rest anyway, isn't he? He's been in and out of the side recently. But yeah, one of you have to do a man and the other one has to do a scouse one. So go. <laughs> Um, you know, like I think, um, you know, um, 
That was terrible, wasn't it? Um, there you go. Here's, here's uh, South Somerset's second favourite summariser. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. Sheridan, how could you? Sheridan. His heart is in pieces. I know. <laughs> I know Lawson's the best. I know. You don't have to tell you me. You don't have to keep rubbing his face in you it. You don't have yeah? to tell the world. <laughs> Oh, just heartbroken. Ben, all you need to say is fucking hell, ref. Oh, yeah, no, exactly. I, I repeatedly on the BBC. <laughs> if anything, I'm if anything, I'm too professional. Um <laughs> I I I tell you what I would like, and I think I think um, this is maybe where rule two would have actually come in handy for both the manager and us here. When we but when we when we got the team news for this, we all had a slightly different idea as to what the formation was. And I think that's not the way to go. Were we trying to put square pegs in round holes or were we going to go with the players we had on the pitch? Because if we had the players, if we're going with the players we had on the pitch, you probably would have had a back three and wing backs in some way, shape or form, because you would have accepted that um, Williams wasn't going to go to a fullback position that maybe Rob, we had Robinson and Hunt in the middle, didn't we? And it was a bit, that's what I think I'd like to see now is just get back to, you know, dealing what we've with what we've got. We've got. I've. I think it's time to ask the question about Alex Bradley, yeah. because he was the. He was the. I know. I know. He's seen as a little bit more of a midfielder, but he was the obvious right back choice, was he not? Of the ones we knew were available, short yeah. of Martin Little being more available, more obvious than Morgan Williams for certain. Yeah. So, <laughs> so for me, there's a there's a there's a question. There's a just a curiosity around Alex Bradley. Do you he think? Hasn't, he hasn't even got on there. At the times where it wasn't going right, we haven't put him into that position. And I'm a bit confused by it. And I just think if we had we had our group of players, and I know we've had to make a change late. Lou Wilkinson turned up at the ground, crying out loud. So we were clearly planning on things until very, 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 very late yesterday, looking one way. And by the time one o'clock turns up, it looks different. But I think my initial reaction would have been, okay, I need square pegs and square holes. I don't think it looked like that when we got the team sheet. And I think that's maybe what the manager's alluding to of actually, let's just get back to putting players in their best positions. Like I'm the whole Alex Bradley thing. Like he was our first choice right back for, you know, the second half of the season. Like, and it's so, it's just odd, isn't it? It's a, it's a very odd situation. He's not become a bad player. You know, he's come down from League One. He was, you know, he was at um, Lincoln, wasn't Lincoln, he? Yeah, yeah. Like, it's almost like, and this is totally based on zero information and total wild speculation. But it's almost like, has he, uh, the next time he starts a game, do we have to pay someone some money? Like, uh, you know, if we signed him and said after so many appearances, he's, you know, you'll be owed this because... Like, what is the reason? Like, I know he missed the last couple of games, but it almost feels like a, you know, there's some sort of selection. <laughs> selection. Well, he played him in the trophy game, didn't he? And he, he actually made the manager made the point of saying that, you know, he deserves his chance. He's seen, he's been very professional and all of this. So it's not like there's, well, it doesn't sound like there's an issue there, does there? Not with no. him anyway, as a, as a player. No, so, and certainly at the start of the well, season, when we were uh, pre-season, he was, you know, when I watched us at, <clears throat> at Taunton, he was right back. I know Mark Little, you know, I assume we've signed Mark Little to be first choice fullback. Uh, but, you know, Bradley came in after Little was injured against Forest Green Rovers. So, uh, I, I don't know. It, it's a, it is a 
confusing one. So by my recognition, he's played exactly 30 times. Which would be, if it was 29, you could almost go, okay, 30 games would be a <laughs> fee, wouldn't it? But at my, it's 16 starts in the league, 11 substitute appearances in the league, two FA Cup from the bench and one FA Trophy. It's 30. Um, on, and, top of the, yeah. on top of the four you had at the, as a loan spell before it became permanent. Yeah. So Unless there's any competitions that can count. I don't know. I've got no yeah, idea. I, but like yeah, I said, I, it, it's one of these things. It's such a baffling, you know, it just seems so odd for him to go from first choice right back finishing last season to, oh, we'll shove a centre back in at <laughs> full back who's been playing left back for the last three games. So that's, I mean, yeah. And, and so to go back to the original point, when he talks about tactical changes, I don't think he necessarily is talking about getting the diamond back or going straight four four two or changing formation. It's about having having enough tactics in the book that you you've you take whatever combination of players you've got and one of them fits better than the other. Because should we have played four three three today with the players that we had available? Maybe not. Maybe we should have gone three at the back and had a flat five maybe in midfield and had Bradley and uh, Barnett as fullbacks and then had Staunton in midfield with a back three of Hunt, Williams and Robinson, maybe. I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a qualified coach. That's why I'm sat here waffling rubbish with you guys rather than doing the job myself. <laughs> so I just, I, I, I do wonder if that's an element here of, especially with players coming back, if we have got Mark Little, if we have got Joe Quigley, heck, if we've got Lawson Diaz, you know, we are sat there thinking, how can we best utilise the best players we've got available to us? And maybe today, because of the fact it was a little haphazard and we've got weird ones, suspensions and a new keeper and, you know, a late COVID test and all the rest of it, that we've kind of just flung it at a wall and hoped that some of it stuck. And it did for 75 minutes. <laughs> and then it started sliding off again. Yeah, um, I think, I think you know, again, we need to, we need to try and not... The result... In, in context, you know, we played all right. We didn't, yeah. you know, we took the lead. Um, we looked, you know, we looked the better of the sides in the first half. I think we edged it in the first half, but, you know, we don't, I don't think we need to get too carried away and think, change the whole system and do all this because I don't think, you know, in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it necessarily needed you know, needs a total change. I think I've been, we've been quite happy with a back four. I don't think, I think if we go back to four, four, two, we're going to lose what Charlie Wakefield and what Tom Knowles were providing us. And, you know, they do, you know, they move around, they swap over. They're not just right wing, left wing. They are all over the place. And today was, I thought Tom Knowles had one of his, he did tire out towards the end of the game, but I thought first hour he was, he was pretty much on it, you know. He was picking up the ball in good areas. He sold a few dummies, and he had a good game. But we sort of ran out of steam, which is, you know, sort of disappointing. Maybe the game off wasn't great for us in terms of that. You know, the manager alluded to it in the um, press conference this week, didn't he? That he would have liked the wave of game to be on, and I think we we sort of missed. We missed that bounce back opportunity against those seagull botherers. I think I think it's also worth noting that Grimsby, the defeat to Grimsby, was a really long time ago. 
<laughs> yeah, and exactly. Yeah. We went on a heck of a run in between then. And so I'd argue that we're in a bit of credit. And I've just looked now at, at, at the league standings. If we'd have won that game, we'd have been up to 34 points, which is only one place higher than we are now. And we would have still been overtaken by Grimsby, who have a game in hand on us. Should have they have won that game, for example. So actually, in terms of league position, in terms of sort of where we are, it doesn't actually make a blind bit of difference. Yes, of course, I understand it's three more points on the board, but I've kind of, I kind of don't, not don't care that we lost, but I'm a bit more non-plus about it. Like, yeah, fine. <laughs> we know there's a good team in there. We haven't known there's a good team in there. Like back end of um, sort of the first half of last season when we were going through that rough patch, we kind of questioned whether or not there was a good team in there. It turned up after, you know, after that hammering on Boxing Day. But we know there's a good team in there. And it's just going to take a little bit. It's going to take a bit of squad depth. Maybe, you know, you were there, uh, Ian, but are we starting to see what happens when you have a smaller squad playing a lot of games at once? Do we fizzle out a bit early? Do we just seem to tire? Do we switch off a bit? Do we make those mistakes that we weren't making two and a half months ago? Because... You've been through the ringer a bit. Yeah, I mean, I think some mistakes certainly crept in. I mean, Gorman's free kick, you know, the first when he did the free kick. <clears throat> I don't know. I feel like perhaps if, you know, if there was someone like Wilco on the pitch, maybe he shouts at him and says, what the fuck are you doing? Like, <laughs> and said, just, you know, there's that element of, come on, try and be a bit sensible. Here is. You're not going to score from there. And if you are, well, it's one in a million. Um, what do you think someone actually said to Dale Gorman? <laughs> Excuse me, dear boy. Well, what do you think you're playing actually? Yeah, someone egged him on. I don't know. Exactly, yeah. yeah I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. It felt, <clears throat> yeah. And then I think it wasn't long after that he he went to take another shot from a bit closer in and he lost the ball and he goes down, you know, it was a good tackle, but he goes down and rolls around trying to get a free kick because it releases Torquay to have another, you know, break on goal. But luckily their striker pulled one of our defenders shirts and gave away a free kick, but you know, it could have been a carbon copy. Well, it, you know, it could have been, you know, the same situation where, uh, lost touch because he wants to have a dig from outside the box could have resulted in another goal um there are those sort of those little bits and pieces um but i think i think the manager you know we talk about not having a squad i think when you look at what's come on today i think he's going to have a bit of a decision to make about up front now um because I feel like Addy, you know, I didn't think he had his best game. Quigley came on and was impressive. And I think Reed came on and, and showed a bit more quality. The worry is if we got three strikers who were all good coming off the bench rather than starting games. Just make the sub in the fourth minute. <laughs> yeah, ah, that's a good idea. And then idea. another in the half time and then another. Because, you know, when Reed started against Woking, he didn't, you know, he didn't have a good game. I didn't think we played to his strengths. We don't really know what Adi Yusuf's strengths are. I don't feel he's just, you know, crash bang wallop. We know what Quigley's good at. Um, but yeah, we haven't got that. I don't know. We talked about it with Elliot, didn't we? About that Courtney Duffus type striker. 
yeah, strange one, isn't it? Really, they've all got slightly different attributes, and we'll all get slightly different tactics for them. Like we've seen Quigley not be ahead on a stick. He's far from it. In fact, he wants the ball at his feet, and he wants to get others involved. <laughs> one we position, th- three strikers is an awkward one, isn't it? Do we think having a cup game coming up is a good thing? Then take the, uh, or, or would we much rather? Playing, um, we've got South End in the league next, haven't we? Week on Tuesday, I think. I think we I, need that cup game, yeah. Mm. I would agree. Take the pressure off, no the one's s- expecting anything. The so. sooner, yeah, the sooner we play, and I think that's a good game to play because it'll have an element of spectacle about it. Mm-hmm. You know, who knows what Bournemouth team is going to turn up? Like, we could end up with a game against uh you know under 23 side if they're um yeah you know, covid situation is continues they've so, gone off their game haven't they yeah so i'm not um yeah I, i'm not, you know i'm not hitting panic stations and i think we've seen enough about us in the last couple of months to think we're you know we're more than good enough to turn it around um I know the manager doesn't believe in runs, but he, he tends to go on them. Yeah. <laughs> so we've been so, on, we've had a nice long winning run, but now we need to make sure we don't, you know, we, we're not here in four weeks time, five weeks time talking about an, another defeat. Yeah. It, it feels like, I don't, again, I, I, we really should go through these things. Um, but it feels like a fairly important January, doesn't it? We think that there, we hope that there may be maybe a couple of additions and we hope that there may be things off the field. But also look at the games. Bournemouth, a free hit in the FA Cup. South End, a game that we've really got to be thinking about winning because they are tosh. Needham Market, FA Trophy. I mean, with the greatest of respect to Needham Market, we should be thinking about filling our boots there. And then Wrexham at home. And then walking away. With the greatest of respect, I think we've got to be thinking about beating South End. We've got to be thinking about beating Woking. Wrexham at home should hold no fear to us. They got done again today. And then the two cup games, which are different animals. But if we can get to Solihull Moors, which is a toughie at home, with these two games behind us, a positive addition or two to a squad, maybe, or you know, a next round of the FA Trophy and a spirited performance and whatever the result is against Bournemouth. These two games won't matter. We will just write these off and move on and we'll get our own back in, against them in the playoff final. <laughs> do you think this game, do you think this game's a bit more, the result's a bit more disappointing from today because in history, when we've had these double headers with... <laughs> Torquay, it's either been one apiece or we won the first two, didn't we? Um, or or the noise around, you know, everything that happened last week with the red cards, with the, you know, all the nonsense that happened off the pitch and all that sort of stuff. Do you think that's added to the sort of disappointment of today, really? Because it just felt like, you know, we wanted to get a bit of revenge or, you know, return the favour a little bit. 
Uh, I think, uh, I mean, I, I don't really buy this as a derby particularly, and uh, and it certainly seems to, looking on, you know, judge these things on social media, but it certainly seems to mean more to Torquay fans than it means to us, but probably because, you know, they're two divisions, uh, two places in the division below a team that gets battered everywhere they go, apparently. So I don't know what that says about Torquay, but they, um, I, I agree with whoever said we just you know put these one behind us and uh, and move on I don't think it really matters I don't think I think we've been paired against Torquay for the last couple of years just because you know geographically they're closer but uh, yeah I don't uh, I'm not going to worry about the history of um of that one at all we just you know, forget about Torquay that's it we're done with them now aren't we move on and uh, see see where we go next leave them to sit around in my table instead <laughs> I'm saying, that like, I'm saying that like there's a Torquay fan listening, aren't I? There won't be any <laughs> fans Shall we move on to some questions? We have got quite a few, haven't we? This is the danger of uh, inviting questions immediately after a match, isn't it? <laughs> ben, are you happy to move on to some questions? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, uh, should we start with um, ranking the BBC co-commentators in order <laughs> below Lawson Diaz? <laughs> is that... Yeah, it's fine. No, okay. let's not. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> let's move on because I will come down very low on that. List. He's hurt. He's hurt, Sheridan, if you're I'm, listening. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Oh, Ben. I didn't want to do Chesterfield anyway. It's fine. <laughs> you're at least third, mate. It's fine. <laughs> Fourth or fifth. Marcus, Marcus is quite good. Yeah, he's very good to be fair. <laughs> very good to be fair. I quite enjoyed Sam being quite honest last week. So that puts me on fourth. Who else have we had? Chris Wheel. He's up there. He's done it a couple of times. Oh, sixth. Nick Crit. I mean, I didn't... Nick, oh, Chris, nicest man in football. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I am so low on this list. All <laughs> oh, right. Move on. We quick. shouldn't have, We shouldn't have done this. You've opened no. up. No, I've, 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 I've brought it upon myself. <laughs> Put himself in the hurt locker here. <laughs> Uh, right, the OG, Paddy Horsington. Nice. Surely Alex, he's got three questions there, so we'll do these quick. Okay. Surely Alex Bradley would have been a better option at right back. Yes, Maybe. next question. Square peg, square <laughs> hole, move on. Yeah. Just how bad is the Hewish Park match day experience? You tell uh, us. Ian out of seven, Ian. Out of seven, please, mate. Uh, so inside the stadium today, I would... Give it a four out of seven. That's not horrendous. No, I think the fact that Torquay brought a thousand supporters, more than a thousand supporters, uh, certainly added a bit of you know a bit of an edge to the fixture. It's not really, not really had that for a long time. Um, not sure how many Weymouth brought, but there was you know there was a decent uh, two thirds of the terrace was packed. Um, so, so that's inside. What about inside outside? Uh, one or two, maybe because I, you know, I saw a few people. Um, I was one of the ones who, you know, I pre-ordered my ticket and was going to be collected on the match day. I arrived to the ticket office. There's four windows open. <laughs> a to A to D, E to K. This is like the surnames. L to R, and then S to Z. <laughs> Did you like... wish you were called Ian Zirkins instead? <laughs> well, or Ian Erkins, because the yeah. E the E to <laughs> E to KQ was like empty. There was no one there to come out oh, and ask right. if anyone's names began. If you'd been Coach or Barrett, you'd have been away, wouldn't you? Yeah. 
No, there you go. no, I wouldn't because no, E to no. K. E to K. Oh, E to. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it was. Um, yeah. So it was. A bit, you know, I sent you a picture at five minutes to kick off where there was still. Yeah, you know, there's more than a hundred. So if you were called Jones or I don't know Jenkins, you'd have been flying. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you would have been, but yeah, I think you know, there's those things. I, I never, I'm not one for having a, a food at Hewish Park, and I should be, you know, but you know, history tells me not to bother because it's overpriced and not very good. So, I, I think okay. we know the match day experience can be better, we know it can be. I think if you I, do like landfill sites, then it is a, you know it is worth visiting the back of the away terrace yeah, and again, or the home terrace, I should say. Yeah, I, I forgot my welly, so it was a bit tricky yeah. having to walk past, uh, walk yeah. through the away end, uh, the home yeah. end. So I will be hiring out stilts next time it rains there for <laughs> anyone who wants to still walk their way through. Yeah. But Paddy's third question isn't a question, a question at all, is it? <laughs> it's a statement, I did really Paddy. enjoy the game on Sunday. It was good to see the passions from the players. Now, come on, Paddy, that's not a question. And again, though, like you know, it's not a question, but it's one of these things like the off-pitch experience, like and what we get served up could not be further from this group of players and what they're doing on the pitch. And it's almost like it's almost like. They're taking such a bullet <laughs> for being good and uh, working really hard and being a team that supporters can really get behind once they're in the stadium that you do sort of, you know, you do sort of forget about the off-pitch stuff. Um, it's, yeah, it, it's, we're very lucky to have this team. Also, well, the owner is very lucky to have this team at the moment because not that he's there to, not that he's around to even... He doesn't even follow. He doesn't even know what the result was today. So, okay. But I do notice that Paddy has asked a third question, but it's in a separate tweet. Oh. <laughs> uh, and, and, and only you can answer this one, Ian, because it says, Ruben Reed looked great when he came on. Would you agree? Uh, out of seven? <laughs> uh, I've got to stop scoring things out of seven because, I mean, it's middle of the park. It's a four. I think he he did look... He had some nice touches. He held them off. He he looked. He sh- he showed more in, you know, the spell that he came on today than he did Eight against minutes. than he did against Woking, which I think said more about our first half performance, um, against Woking that we weren't getting the ball to him. But yeah, he looked sharp. He looked lively. He looked fitter. Um, he had a couple of, you know, one decent opportunity which was. Sort of charged down and deflected up for a corner, um, but yeah, I think I, I I was quite happy to have three different strikers to come on or to to be on the pitch during a game and not have to rely on one of them. That point, I think that will be something going forward that we we can use a little bit more. We said a couple of times, didn't we, that Quigley had to run the line by himself up front, and then Yusuf had to do the whole thing by himself. Let's look forward to a period of however long it can possibly be where we do have three genuine options and that we can make a change. We can set up one way and if it's not working, we can make a change. We haven't had that whilst we've only had Quigley or only had Yusuf. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think I think that's a that's something we can now look forward to now they're all back. Yeah, I can't wait for Ruben Reed to score a goal in front of the Thatchers. Well, 
just going to save like it, it until I'm there. I feel gonna... like it's going to be such a moment because, you know, he hasn't scored in front of supporters, has he? Since he's joined us. I don't think. The... First spell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, we didn't score against... He scored at Sutton, didn't he, when there were supporters there, but they were Sutton supporters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, you know, I think... I, I just feel like it's going to be quite a... Maybe a moment more for him than for... Uh, yeah, we'll tell them, you know, for us as supporters, just, you know, judge me on this, yeah, pricks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a title. <laughs> right. Uh, there, is a, there is a question here from Harry Eaton, which kind of goes on to this. It says, what is with the majority of the fan base, at least from what I've seen, majorly disliking Joe quickly? Yes, he's not the greatest striker we've ever had, but especially with our current situation, surely another striker is only a positive. He's Marmite, yeah. isn't he? A bit. Hmm? He's Marmite. Um, I don't quite. I don't quite understand the the unnecessary dislike for him. But I, I do think there are as many people saying that he's good rather than he's saying yeah. he's not. And so I don't know. I, I don't know. I really. It's a strange one, isn't it? Because I quite like him. I rate the guy. I think he's got goals in him. We saw that with that hat trick at the back end of last season. He's got little moves off the shoulder. He's got a bit about him in the air. He's got a bit about him to move quicker and maybe more agilely than his his frame would suggest he can and he's got a bit of link up play he's got a bit of everything i he's probably the most rounded of the three if that makes sense i mean if you look at him at the start of the season when he couldn't stop scoring he yeah. was definitely all of that wasn't he um and and just to prove your point later on there's a question from craig mccann that says how good was quigley when he came on and how poor was yusuf now we know that Yusuf, uh, I think, is well. We've we've struggled to try and understand what he is or what he isn't, haven't we, over the last few um, few weeks or so? But I mean, you saw well. Ian saw that game against Woking and saw from the yeah you know, the highlights. You saw him. That he, he definitely does have something about him. I think when we saw him Rex and Ben, you could see that he did have something um, uh, about him. I, I think Yusuf is just inconsistent isn't he you know sometimes it doesn't come off for him other times he uh you know it it it, it does and maybe it's a, a bit of the same with Quigley I mean he hadn't been there for the last month and a bit is he or over a month now I think um Quigley to be able to do it but say you look at the start of the season where everything seemed to click into place for him you can see what these players can be but then if they were fully rounded perfectly you know everything was working from all the time players probably wouldn't be playing for us would they so. <laughs> probably not i mean i thought quigley did like i said quigley did sort of change things when he came on he you know we were putting balls up in the air towards yusuf and didn't win a lot as soon as quigley comes on we won some headers and i think you know it's a quite an indication about what a handful he is when the talky defenders immediately grab a handful of his shirt every time the ball comes up to him. So I thought we, uh, we did look better with him. I think his first real moment, he had a nice first touch, which he knocked down to Tom Knowles, who got a shot off. And it was just those little bits of, he's got such a, that whole cliche, but he's got such a good touch. For his size, he just cushions the ball nicely. Um, so him and Reed sort of share those attributes. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just basing this on um, the Woking game when Addy came on. But, you know, he comes on and scores two goals and he does feel like he's more of an off-the-bench 
type player, maybe. I'm not sure. Yeah. The manager spoke about Quigley after the game as well, didn't he? But he, and I don't know whether you know, he said that he didn't think we used him well enough. And he also said, we're still trying to come to terms with Dylan, the keeper's distribution. Um, so I don't know whether, well, whether that was, they were like long kicks that weren't going to Quigley. I don't know. But um, yeah, the other thing that he said was that he, he hated the fact that Joe Quigley was stood up in the dugout <laughs> all the way through, which to be fair, that must be a very high dugout if Joe yeah. Quigley stood up in it all the way through. But yeah, he said it made it look like a bus stop because uh, everyone was stood up, <laughs> but shows that he's keen to get on, which is... Um, yeah, which is which is good, I, I, I suppose. But did, was there anything you noticed that they didn't use him well enough today? I don't know, really. I mean, I'm not a football manager. Um, oh, yeah. no. <laughs> I felt like, yeah, I think maybe we did miss, you know, we didn't quite get into his feet as much. Maybe that's what he's alluding to, but mm. that the... the um, you know the talkie at that point. Talkie was so narrow, and there and we were quite narrow as well. There were so many bodies in sort of those central areas that it was quite difficult for anyone to sort of do anything meaningful with the ball at their feet. You know, Sonny had a couple of moments, but even then it was a little bit far out to really create something super clear cut. Um, yeah, that's my view. I like this one from Daniel Harding. What? Do you have any way of letting Dale Gorman know it's okay to pass when 40 yards out and not shoot every time? <laughs> Somebody yeah. wants their tequila. Yeah. Yeah. Just... I mean, I, I don't mind. I didn't mind having pot shots up until today. <laughs> and But it felt like, yeah, today there was a couple of times where you just think, you know, you're... <laughs> If you're going to be like, <laughs> you're not going to be the Xavi or Iniesta of this team, but if you're going to be the player who keeps things ticking over, you need to do that. Like, if someone, you know, someone wants to shoot from 40 yards, they shouldn't, but like, let Tom Knowles have a go from that far, or <laughs> Jordan Barnett after today can shoot whenever he gets it. But I just think, you know, if Gorman was scoring these scoring these shots every week then you could forgive him but or getting them on target yeah yeah like if he's pulling if the keepers are pulling off saves i'm not that bothered no if truth be told um if he's forcing tips around the post and we're getting corners out of it or we're trying to snaffle up rebounds and things like that i'm kind of okay with it but when they're not really troubling people then they can be a little bit confusing here's a here's a crowbar in question off the back of that (laughs) do you feel like he tries to take on a bit too much in the way of responsibility when Josh Daunton's not next to him. Because um, I ha- I still have it in my head that Josh Daunton being out of the midfield is of a bigger loss to this team than maybe we appreciate right now. Even if he's at the centre-back. Yeah, I mean, I think you might... Staunton just pro- he does provide us with a bit more balance, I think. Um <laughs> I mean, you could argue that Jordan Barnett is very imbalanced, but I think, <laughs> I think, yeah, I think Staunton is sort of got that calmness and I don't know if, I don't know really, I think Staunton's great wherever he plays really and he does make other players around him look better. 
Uh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe Gorman does, does try to take on a little too much, but I don't. I still think he'd have had. He still would have put that ball down from forty yards and decided to shoot the free kick. I think either way, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. In those in those we, positions, we did hear this from Glenn Torrance fans, didn't we? Like when he signed, <laughs> they said that he shoots from everywhere. So I don't think it's a new thing for him. I think it's just something he does. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some of these questions I think we've kind of answered already because Joey Chinnock had asked about what needs to be done to get the match day experience back, which I think we've covered. Um, and Steve, I won't even read out all those numbers because there's quite a lot of them. Uh, but Steve asked, what's the reason for not being able to buy tickets prior to the match? I really wanted to attend, but wasn't able to. Annoying for me and an obvious loss of revenue for the club. It doesn't make economic sense. Well, uh, <clears> no idea. Nothing but agree with that. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know if it was something like policing because it was the same oh, for the, the game thing. down there, wasn't it? Got to be the only thing. Yeah. I'm not sure if there was trouble or pyro or something last year, was there, on either game? I don't seem to remember anything. Well, there standing. wasn't last year because there was Is no support. Yeah. No, but I mean, last the one before that, sorry. But I don't yeah. know whether or not they've, they've did, they decided. I can't imagine the clubs would decide that. Yeah. It's not going to be... There's not going to be, like, you're not going to sell out the away end to the point where Torquay fans are buying home tickets, are you? No. I don't see that being a thing. No idea. I feel like more, yeah, more, <laughs> you're going to have more disappointed Yeovil Town fans who wanted to walk up to a game today than Torquay fans, aren't you? Because they can't even go to their own club because... Of those decisions, I don't know. I don't know. We don't really know why the reasons are what they are. But you know, I think in twenty twenty two, after um, you know, after everything that's changed in the world in the last two years, to not be able to you know order a ticket online that appears on your phone and then get it scanned as you go in, for me is I don't know. It's just rubbish, isn't it? <laughs> like yeah. Yeah, I don't think um, I don't think there's any reason why we can't do it, can we? But it probably just smacks of the fact that there's, you know, we are literally. I mean, we talk about being down to the bare bones on the pitch, off the pitch. Blimey, um, yeah, we are really. Yeah, there's, there's, there's a few people there, <laughs> a very few people there who are working their backsides off. But as we all know, if you have very few people trying to do the jobs of a lot more people, then things are going to go wrong, right? That's what we're seeing a bit of, isn't it? But yeah, yeah. and do you know, if we if we're if it's costing us, um, you know, it's going to cost us money to get people on, uh, people on every turnstile with a you know yeah. a little scanner to validate a QR code, isn't it? It's uh, yeah, you know. <laughs> We've um, we, we've heard from you know last time we heard from the owner he was telling us that you know we needed however many thousand people it was in in in, in the ground you'd have thought that and I mean I'll give him I'll give him a, an out if it was police advice and it was police um, you know recommendation then you've got to go with that haven't you but um, it it would seem an obvious way to try and. Uh, I don't, some, some I don't remember anything like this before. No, no. I don't know. Maybe it's because I had season tickets before and it never really mattered. 
it didn't you know it didn't make a difference to me i could just turn up and <laughs> i was in um but it yeah it just i don't know just feels like well, it's bare minimum, isn't it? We're doing yeah. the, the bare minimum, or he is doing the absolute bare minimum to to get by and yeah. <laughs> keep the club running. He can, you know, put all these statements out all he wants about, you know, <laughs> all these statements. Yeah. <laughs> well, all the all these hundreds of statements he puts out every week. Yeah, he can put out a quarterly fifteen hundred word statement all he yeah. likes, talking exactly. about how he's gonna do the best for the football club and there's going to be a fancy bar behind the terrace that isn't towed away by a tractor every day after the game's done because it's an external company doing it it's yeah it's exciting long-term plan for the future of the club and oh yeah anyway now we better move on uh yeah. clevo asks is that strike from jordan barnett the best goal ian has seen live at hewish park if not what would be his choice it's up there it's up there. We talked. Did we talk about Nathan Jones the other day? Um, no, I don't think so. But we could always talk about Nathan Jones. Thing. <laughs> this right-footed one where he cut inside and went in off the bar. Definitely talked about that with someone. Um, I remember when Nathan Smith scored a worldie as well. We got left backs. There's a bit of a theme here, isn't it? Left back. I think um, there was. Um... Yeah, there, there was also one when Carl Dickinson scored an absolute um, belter as well. I think. Oh, I can't remember that. I mean, I didn't see Arquin's goal, but Arquin. Ah, uh, was... yeah, no, that was that. That was on the volley. Yeah. Yep. That was good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I was going back as far as Darren Keeling of nineteen ninety eight. He scored <laughs> absolute blinder against. Uh, against Kettering and I always judge every goal I've seen against Garrett Darren Keeling in 1998 but that's only because no one else can remember it so I can always say oh if it wasn't Darren Keeling yeah what about Luke Ayling cutting in on his left foot against yeah. Birmingham and bringing one in off his standing foot in off the bar yes that was very good they're always good with it going off the bar Gavin Williams with the uh, little bobble pinged up on his return 2013 against Oldham. Oldham, maybe. Aaron Davies always... Was it Aaron Davies against Scunthorpe? Where he shoots and the keeper almost is like on his knees because he's like scrambling across to get it. That, that's a good one. Look that one up on YouTube. Um, but yeah, today's was up there as one of the... Certainly one of the best goals. I think, yeah, one of the best goals I've seen. Just a shame there was a bit of uh, there was a bit of pyro after it, which I'm not a massive fan what, of. Moment? Yeah. Mm, what? Okay. <laughs> Naughty pirates. Yeah. I'm yeah. not a massive fan either. I know that makes me a boring old git, but I'm not a massive fan either. No, I think you have to have a bit of consideration about the people around you who might not want to have, you know, this smelly. <laughs> possibly like dangerous substance go off around them and yeah but in their lungs yeah. yeah um this might be a question for ben because i know he's far more clued up on these kind of things but adam skinner has asked how many players need to be injured have covid for us to cancel the bournemouth game 
But if Wilco is out, we're in a position to try. Oh, sorry. If Wilco's out, are we in a position to try and postpone it until he's back? Are FA COVID rules different to the non-league COVID rules? Ben, I feel like you would know that answer better than any of us. <laughs> well, when we got the news about Bournemouth being yeah. postponed this week, I did have a look at the FA Cup rules and they are incredibly vague for the actual proper rounds of the FA Cup. With regards to the um, the qualification rounds, they are incredibly specific and they talk about windows of playing games that get postponed and talked about all the rest of it. But for for the actual round rounds proper they are incredibly vague and simply the only thing i can find is if the competing clubs are not able to play the match on a scheduled date due to covid19 or for any other reason the match shall be played or not as directed by the professional game board and or the professional game board shall take such action as it deems appropriate in its absolute discretion as if to say they can do what they want um, <laughs> There is no reference to you need, you need X number of players. Um, the general rule or the general conversation has been 14 and a goalkeeper, which, again, is not physically listed in the beginning of season FA rules. It does say right at the very top, uh, the association has retained some of the amendments and will make further changes in order to address the potential issues that may still arise. So they've kind of given themselves a little caveat out. But as far as I can see we basically have to apply to not play the game. And then it is entirely at the discretion of the Professional Game Board Association what happens. When I pointed out yesterday that the Bournemouth incident, there are obviously no replays in this round. However, the date that replays would have taken place on, being Tuesday the 18th, has been left free by both clubs, i.e. they haven't rearranged, we haven't rearranged the Weymouth game or whatever it may be for that date suggesting that there is a kind of wink, wink, nudge, nudge between sides and to say, we won't put another game there in case we can't play this game. So for me, I believe that there is every possibility. If Luke Wilkinson is positive, I don't think one would be enough in the same way Morgan Williams wasn't enough to call off league games. But if it should spread and we should have suddenly four, five, six over the next few days dropping, we might be in a position to request it off and then have it replayed on or around that 18th of January. What that would do, though, would obviously we'd lose our TV fee. Because we would no longer be, well, I assume we'd no longer be on TV um, or on the red button. So the truth is, to, to answer the question, it's very, very vague. And I think it's basically case by case, individual team by individual team at this particular round. Previously, they had a very short window. If you can't play it on the Saturday, you have to play it before the next Friday. If you can't do so, you're out, basically. Um, but at this point, it seems all very vague. So I don't know. I have tried to look. <laughs> we know there's one That, folks, the... is why he's the best BBC Somerset <laughs> summariser. <laughs> Justice for Barrett. <laughs> we know we know what one rule of the FA Cup proper rounds are. Uh, that is that Manchester United must be on the television. <laughs> what are they up to now? Sixty something consecutive FA Cup ties on telly. Yeah, yeah. Well, they need the money, don't they? Come on, they let's do. Be fair. Yeah. Well, yeah. they do. Yeah, yeah, Who wants to watch that dross? Yeah. 
well, Darren, Darren Saal and, uh, and Adrian Hopper, <laughs> I think, <laughs> possibly. <laughs> right. Anyway. Uh, should we finish? I, I'm just checking. I'm not going to miss a question from Colin. Um, no, you haven't missed a question from Colin. There is right. one there from Dave. London Green Dave. Yeah, that that's, the one I was, that's the one I was going to finish on. Finish on that. Uh, best away day you've ever had, despite us losing the actual match. I was going to say that Charlton game in the in, final. Oh, go on. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh. Lost that one, Neil. That was brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. I was going to say Charlton in the FA Cup where we lost 3 2. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, but that was a good game. That was a good game and a good the, day as well. The, Bol- the Bolton one as well in the FA Cup. Yeah, that was a good one. That was good. Um, yeah, I think those two as Cup games. I think that probably makes them a bit more special because they were bigger teams, weren't they? Very and he good. also asks us what the worst away day you've ever done. And I'm going to say this one for, for Ben, but people might remember it as well. Do you remember when we went to Colchester on a, oh. on a, mid, on a midweek game and you came down on the train? The oh. only good thing about that, that was that we went to a harvester before and I had an amazing knickerbocker glory. But apart from that... <laughs> That was it. Was that the one where where James Bailey scored like a 95th minute equaliser and everyone hated it because it meant Darren Way kept his job for another week? No, I can't. But I know the game you mean. I want to say that was Chesterfield, but Colchester was the one. No, where... that was definitely Colchester. Was it? I think well, yeah. I think we lost like 2-0 or 3-0. And the only thing I remember, but apart from the Knickerbocker glory, was that <laughs> there was a song about Gozzi Ugru to the tune of um, the Proclaimers. I would walk five oh, just to be yeah. the man who walked a thousand miles to see Gozzi Ugru score. Gozzi Ugru, Gozzi <laughs> That one. Yeah. I remember that one. Yeah, that was really <laughs> I remember that I would... one. I would also chuck in the FA Cup game against Hartlepool that got canned about 20 minutes before kickoff. Yeah. Because of the snow. And we got there, and for some reason, the gates were open and they let us walk in. And we went, You haven't even tried to clear the snow. No. It was like a foot of snow on the pitch. And we were like, This was never going to happen. Why are you calling this off at quarter past two? You could have called <laughs> it off at nine o'clock this morning. Yeah. Um, so that was pretty horrendous for a game that never happened. For a great away day that we lost badly. Um, when Southampton dropped to League One and completely played us off the park for a 4-0 win and they had the front four of Oxlade-Chamberlain, Adam Lallana, Barnard and Lambert and just completely tore us a new one. I thoroughly enjoyed watching that game of football because Southampton were just sensational. (laughs) (laughs) That was just one of those days where you sat there thinking, I'm just enjoying the, the spectacle at the moment. My team are getting spanked, but this is delightful football I'm watching. And so I, I thoroughly enjoyed that away day as well. I think my worst. I got, I got two. We went to Woking. It was years ago. It was when Warren Patmore had signed for Woking, and it was like lots of you know, it was highly anticipated. I think it was nil nil, and it was just an absolute damn squib of a game. But also when we played Southampton in the FA Cup, mm. uh, drove up with a mate. Went to go and take our seats, <clears throat> which were taken by someone else. Uh, and then a steward just came up and was like, you're in the wrong block, you need to go. <laughs> we weren't in the wrong block. There were just people just going wherever they wanted to. Uh, so then we had to, we moved and were sat 
further down out of the way of everything we were rubbish and then we had to get the train home because our mate's car had broken down so we had to <laughs> the expense of a train i think there was a rail replacement between southampton and romsey so we had to jump on a coach to get to romsey then a very slow train from southampton to salisbury then change at salisbury ah oh, it was it were rubbish that was my that was in the fa cup when we were in the fourth round, I think, because it was our championship season. Yeah, I do remember that one as well. I think I remember coming down for that one. Yeah. Yeah, rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> right. So we finished with those words. Yeah, rubbish. <laughs> rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Ben. What did what we finish on? Um, not sure. There's not a lot else to finish on, really. No. Looking <laughs> forward to Bournemouth and the FA Cup. Yeah. Uh, happy New Year oh. to all the listeners, and we'll be back on Thursday, do, Friday. I, we, we we do have one. It's not Thursday and Friday. We're back. No, we know it's not Wednesday. We're back. Ooh. Oh, yeah, we go. Let's break it. Yeah, let's, you can. You two can do it. You so, spent. You had a lovely New Year's Eve. So what a week we've got lined up. Genuinely, um, late on New Year's Eve, Dave and I spoke to a footballer who has never once been contracted to Yeovil Town Football Club. And yet we all speak of him so incredibly highly. Um, should we say the name or not? Yeah, yeah. Let's announce it, mate. Let's, let's so do it. Dave and I had the pleasure, the absolute pleasure of speaking to what we can only describe as the nicest man in football that isn't Paul Warren. Um, <laughs> we spoke to Sean McDonald about his time at Yeovil. He is currently, well, he's just finished his self-isolation. As you listen to this, after a bout of COVID, he's feeling fine. He's feeling great. And he had a great chat with us about his time, his five separate loan spells. So on Wednesday, episode two of Glover's Past from the Glover's Cast will drop into all your uh, podcast inboxes. We're really looking forward to it. If you haven't listened to episode one, Dave spoke to Howard Forrington and Mickey Engwell. Definitely go back and listen to that. But I'm really, really looking forward to hearing you, uh, hearing your thoughts on our chat with Sean McDonald. A great conversation with uh, with Sean Mack. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Dave, it was cracking, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Like you say, the the, the nicest man in, uh, we'll, we'll say the nicest man in football brackets Wales, shall we? And then we can give, <laughs> you know, Paul Warren and, uh, and, and and others as well can go in there somewhere, can't they? But yeah, he was a lovely fella and, and, a, and a good chat. So yeah, hope people enjoy that one. That's how you went better. There you yeah. go. Something to look forward to on Wednesday, everyone. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Forrest backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trot, goal! Hold up, what was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.